Valspar Championship. Preview, top plays, core plays, first look build, course history, top stat fits, top specialist, and top in recent form. Let's break it down for you. All right, so getting into the 2023 Valspar Championship. This has been a very interesting tournament really over the last few times that we saw it. Sam Burns has won twice in a row. Paul Casey had won twice in a row. And Adam Hadwin had won uh, as well. Those are three players in which, if you just think about them, they're players that don't really make many mistakes. They're good toll drivers and ball strikers. And they're pretty good with their long iron. Like those are all the key stats we're going to be looking at this week. So very interesting stuff there. I do just want to call out how the tournament has played. It, it seems like it has played better recently. And what I mean by better is easier recently. So it, it's going to be difficult to really gauge what the scoring is going to be like though this week, because right now, as it sits, I was seeing about 20 mile per projected wins. Now, obviously that can change throughout the week, but I think if we do get sustained wins, like we did have in 2018 with Paul Casey, then the course is going to play more difficult. And then it is a course in which could play over par. Think about the players championship. I think that's a perfect example of it. On Saturday, the greens were wet. They played a lot easier. Okay. And so if you have the winds gusting really throughout the whole tournament, while well, dry at the greens, and obviously it's just harder to control the, the golf ball a little bit more. So in terms of scoring, you know, we might be setting the scoring too hard just based off of the weather. So we, we could be looking at that. Uh, the average cut line is going to be very difficult to kind of project the cut line as well, just given the fact that last year it played much easier than expected. And then the previous years, uh, it's been about, let's just say about even par is what I would project it at, I guess, uh, especially with the weather projected to play tougher. Uh, but it is going to be a tough track. You know, there are a few holes with uh, water hazards in play, nine holes. Okay, so there's that element. The rough is pretty thick, about three inches. Uh, the greens are going to be pretty small as well. So that also adds to it playing as a more difficult course. But we can see, like, looking at, like, the long iron accuracy, 200 plus, is going to be a key stat. Okay, good drive percentage is, is a key stat, but instead of that, we'll just look at total driving. Ball striking is the stat that I want to look at. Basically, players that struggled ball striking did tend to struggle. And if we look at upside, sure, some players got away with not being the best at ball striking. But as a whole, stroke skin approach is going to be something we want look at so we also want to be looking at ball striking okay and then birdie to bogey ratio i'm going to choose to look at bogey avoidance instead of birdie to bogey ratio you could look at either of those so the interesting part really is that we have a lot of golfers that are going to be coming in with some small sample sizes so that's what's happening with john right here we have three starts for him on the pga tour now they've all been made made cuts so uh, just interesting stuff there from him. Uh, Victor Perez as well. I would probably say like we're not treating those as the number one staff at although Ming Wu Lee was in the exact same situation last week where he was the top staff fit due to small sample sizes, I will say, but obviously that worked out. So yes, you can use it, but take it with a grain of salt. So the key stats as a whole that I'm looking at strokes gain total, effective scoring, which is that nine to five only stat, which basically measures the player's ability to make the cut and, that's, and then play well after that. Uh, strokes gain total as an FYI, what I look at is on the season and then over the last five starts and then ranking that out. And then like I said, I'm maybe looking at bogey avoidance instead of uh, birdie to bogey ratio. I just want players that are not going to make many mistakes. Then I'm looking at greens gain instead of strokes gain approach because to me, yes, strokes gain approach is always awesome. We love that, but I want to echo more of a golfer that's not going to make many mistakes. But we also are going to be looking at strokes gain approach, total driving, ball striking, and then uh, the 200 plus that long iron accuracy stat as well. And so the players that are the best stat fits using that are going to be Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Dylan Wu, uh, Justin Rose, Wyndham Clark. As we can see, Wyndham Clark's really popping up in there. And that's because he is a consistent golfer. Okay. Not really making many mistakes when he plays. So he's someone that we're going to be looking at. Adam Habbins popping up there. Keegan, Taylor Moore, Justin Suff. So we got some pretty good players. And now if we just get into course history, this is going to be 
uh, an interesting data point, I think, to go off of this week. So we got Davis Riley, one start. We don't really care about that too much. But I do think we're going to default to players that do have course history a little bit more. Like literally for a 50-50 decision, if we want to default to a golfer that has course history over someone that doesn't, I'm perfectly fine with that. So like Justin Thomas, the third and 13th. Best course history in the field for a golfer that has two starts. Now, Sam Burns has won uh, two straight times. Okay, so we can see very close there. First, first, 30th, and second. Great stuff there. Matthew Naismith, two straight make cuts. Tom Lee Fleetwood, uh, one start, so don't really care about him. Russell Knox, four straight cuts made. Danny McCarthy, three straight make cuts made. And he's going to be someone that's interesting, I think. We see that top 10 finish there mixed in there and he has been someone that really has been very hit or miss this season so i think he's gonna make for an interesting outright pet this this week because well it's not the best field and if you look at the top studs that we have like jordan and jt they are struggling a little bit so we might be targeting someone interesting like denny mccarthy uh luke donald surprisingly four straight make cuts at this tournament johnny v very chalky disappointments but it's kind of popping up there on the ownership leverage tool saying eh, can we play johnny v this week uh and that actually brings up a good point. It's that um, last week, 55% of the value plays made the cut, which is actually lower than the season average. Uh, so the players below 7K have made the cut 58% of the time, which is pretty awesome. Had John Rum not withdrawn, it could have been a great week. So like looking at the optimal build, the 9-to-5 player pool had five out of those six players for the optimal build, which is pretty awesome. Obviously, Terrell had... Uh, Victor Hovland, two core plays, Scotty Scheffler, high exposure play. Uh, I chose to go with John Rahm over him was basically it. Wasn't on Rory. Felt like he was too high priced, which was honestly just more lucky than good there to not be on Rory. But then you mix in someone like Justin Suh, you know, one of my favorite value plays on the slate. Pretty awesome to see that stat. And then just two other things here real quick. If you look at the ownership versus the ownership leverage rank, if we just ranked out the top, the highest owned players compared to the ownership leverage rank, uh, the ownership leverage tool was about 5% better, which is typical. It's typically about 5% better than the field, um, but just interesting there. And then looking at the, and I guess like Keegan Bradley's a big part of that. Uh, Jonathan May is a big part of that as well. You know, players are popping up as bad plays, not doing well. And then this was actually pretty crazy. So if we were to take the, the salary rank of the players, and then compared to the 95 mile rank, 95 mile was 3.8% better, which is a very high percentage difference. And that's just looking at the average finish finish for each and then comparing it, like how they ranked out percentile wise and then doing the difference between that. 3.8% better. That was pretty crazy last week. So I, I'm bringing that up because I did make some tweaks to the 95 mile two weeks ago. And I, I mean little tweaks, but it's adding up. And so we will see that um, later on in this video, but it has been working out. And that was a weird kind of long ramp of the recap, but Jonathan Vegas, I guess we could go back to this week. He was someone that, you know, really he makes bogeys. We know that, but he's also someone that can make a bunch of birdies. Like if he can avoid the bogeys, a pretty awesome play. So price point wise, we're probably staying away from him, but like the fact that he has course history, looking at Zach Johnson, three out of four make cuts here, all top 30 finishes in those make cuts. He's going to be an interesting name. Kramer Hickok, who was a min price value make cut which was awesome to see. And uh, if you guys watched the lineup builder video, the biggest issue I had was literally having too much salary left over. Uh, like if you went Scotty, Hublin, Hatton, you probably would have had too much salary left over to fit in like two of the value plays that made the cut. And you probably ended up with maybe a miscut from Keegan or Corey instead. Uh, looking at it as well, let's see any other players popping up course history wise. Not not really too much, but Adam Hadwin, I think is a very interesting name. Uh, top 10 finished last year. Miscut, miscut 12th. Obviously won the previous year, but... Um, um, you know, prior to that, but he, he's someone I think we'll be looking
looking at. So now looking at the players with the best recent form, John is popping up again. Okay, so we have three starts on him on the PGA Tour that we're pulling in. They've all been made cuts. Puerto Rico Open, most recent, seventh. Bermuda Championship this season as well, 35th. We have a small sample size on that. I just want to make that very clear there, okay? I don't adjust the small sample size with the stats or recent form. I do that in the model. Now, Victor Perez is popping up in there for best recent form as well, second best. And I want to call this out for those of you guys that don't know. I do include DP Tour starts in this. So that's why it's popping up that way. And then from there, we got JT. No shock there, been on a cut streak. Wyndham Clark, that's a little bit shocking as well, but he is someone that has been on a cut streak as well. Adam Hadwin, also a little bit shocking, but playing extremely well. Justin Rose, Ben Griffin, we got Jordan Speed then. Tommy Fleetwood, Taylor Moore, Ryan, Jaeger, Suh. So we got some very interesting names. And I'm actually very curious. Are people finally saying Justin's Suh's name correct? Be interesting to see that this week. That's one of those names where I had to look it up. And I looked it up like four times. And in one of the videos that I was watching, they were they were saying Justin Sue. And so I was like, is that right? And I hadn't known until the coverage, like literally the last two weeks in which the broadcasters were saying it Justin Suh. So I'm like, all right. I haven't been getting that wrong for the past three years. But yeah, we, we have a lot of actually like players that are playing some very strong-ish golf. Surprisingly strong golf, I should say. Players that you wouldn't think had been playing that well. And so looking at the top specialists in the field, we got really no shocks here. Jordan, Justin, Ben Griffin, who's been playing extremely well. He's, uh, he's kind of going Max Homa mode where Max Homa was dominating Twitter and then really started to play well. Ben Griffin's kind of dominating TikTok and uh, has been playing well since then. Is there a correlation there? I don't know. Uh, Wyndham Clark, Adam Hadwin, Mathis Patrick, Tommy Fleetwood. A lot of the names that I think we're going to be on are popping up here specialist-wise and are really popping up across this sheet a lot. Uh, if we really want to concentrate in on what I think are kind of the most significant stats, we could look at like greens width and then maybe location, Florida tracks, uh, rough length, you know, a little bit thicker rough, uh, scoring, harder scoring. And then you could also look at water hazards in play and then the projected weather of it being bad. We can pull in all that to kind of maybe get a more concentrated look at the players that we'd want to be on. Now let's go ahead and get to the top plays for the Valspar Championship. So Justin Thomas is going to be the top ranking player in the 9-5 to model this week. And I do think we should treat him as such. Looking at the course history, a third and 13th. Obviously, we'd like that there. Uh, sure, his recent starts have not been pretty. And that's going to be the I think what keeps his ownership down. Okay. He could not make a putt. Literally could not make a putt. He missed so many five footer and it was frustrating, but he does have a 92% chance to make the cut. And in a tournament like this, in a field like this, I kind of just want to be paying up for him. So he's the third best specialist, 11 straight make cuts in a row. We look four events ago, did have a fourth place finish at the waste management Phoenix open six best staff at third best in recent form top play in the nine to five mile. You know, I'm going to end up on him a decent amount probably. And then it's very funny with Jordan because Jordan would be ranking out so much worse if it wasn't for that fan. And it's, it's funny. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know, Jordan should have missed the cut, uh, on the 18th tee, he hooks a shot that's going straight into the water, ends up hitting a fan, and it bounces straight back into the fairway. With that, he was able to set himself up for a nice little eagle ship that he ended up draining. So he makes the cut and then, you know, does what Jordan does when he gets an opportunity, like he when he gets a break like that. He took advantage of that and ended up finishing T19. But had he missed the cut, that'd have been, you know, a few events in a row in which it's kind of been every other start in which he's struggled. Uh, Sony Open missed cut, 18T Bubble Beach, T6. T63, Waste Manager Phoenix Open, T6, Miscut the Genesis, uh, 
forth at the API. So maybe he's due for a good week this week. Uh, we'll see. Uh, he is definitely hit or miss. And I don't know if we want to pay up for Jordan, just given that hit or miss nature. Sure. In some GPPs, it definitely makes sense to pay up for him. Uh, he's the second best specialist in the field, fifth best at fit, eighth best in recent form rank. It is that course history. And it is kind of those lackluster starts mixed in there that are kind of throwing him off. He's only the ninth rated player in the nine to five model, but in terms of upside, definitely second. So does make sense for GPPs. Sam Burns, I don't know if we want to touch Sam Burns. Yes, he had a good week last week, but it really came to down to him having really one really spectacular round. Uh, good that he finally found some form. And yes, maybe he was just struggling in there. I don't know if he was trying new technology out and his golf clubs or whatnot, but it, it, it's going to be a tough click at 10.2. I know he has phenomenal course history first first 30th and 12th but i really wish he would have just struggled at the players so we wouldn't have to think about this very interesting price point play and i don't know what to do with matt fitzpatrick uh this would be an ideal setup for him and it's like we'd probably be loading up on him but he has those injury concerns so we're probably just passing up on him now tommy fleetwood finds himself in a great spot he had a 16th place finish at this tournament last year and we know tommy fleetwood he is just a cut maker sure he missed the cut the waste manager finished open but prior to that just been making a ton of cuts he's not a golfer that's typically going to shoot himself out of a tournament the question is what is the upside that we're getting from him like i i this isn't shocking they finished 76 like think if we're playing and we're hoping for a top 20 finish now the next two players justin rose and keegan bradley are basically slightly worse versions of jordan spieth and so do we really want to pay up for name value with jordan spieth when we can get pretty much the exact same plays at lower price points okay the consistency hasn't been there but look at the course upside it is there justin rose has went miscut two years ago and then four years ago fifth okay so he does have that upside to play well at this tournament obviously he's been playing much better golf recently sixth well two missed cuts first 18th and then you know obviously prior to that played well as well so it does seem like he's back into that good stretch of playing golf he is a 16th best specialist 33rd in course history rank top 10 staff fit top 10 recent form rank top 10 in the nine to five mile perfectly fine with him as a play we look at keegan bradley keegan bradley went full keegan last week it was very unfortunate uh 78 after having a really good round one, as long as he avoids the blow up second round, he's going to be a good play this week. <laughs> Just seems to be that case. We look at the course history, miscut second, miscut 31st, top 10 specialists in the field, eighth best in staff fit rank. In recent form, rank, ranking out 23rd, and that's just due to the inconsistencies that he's had in his game. So reading off his past few starts, uh, 88th last week, 10th, 94th, 20th, 2nd, or 121st, 34th, 21st, and 1st. Okay, so it's a roller coaster, and that's kind of him, Spieth, and Rose. You could also actually throw Denny McCarthy firmly into that as well. Denny McCarthy has been very hit or miss okay when he's on he's given us some really strong upside okay he's found himself into contention a, a few times this season we see that sixth 14th fourth 13th like he has found himself in the mix we need a little bit more consistency his miscuts have been bad miscuts too but really it was one bad round at the honda classic and one bad round at the waste management phoenix open if he cleans that up we see what can happen so course history wise 48th 39th 9th He's another one of those players that ranks top 10 in the 9 to 5 model. To me, they are priced correctly between Jordan, Rose, Keegan, and Denny. But this could be a situation in which they are all kind of the same play. We know that there's some risk associated with them. We know that they're not locked to make the cut. But at the same time, we know the upside that they present. So I do think we should chase those three a little bit this week. And I'd be perfectly happy to do that. And then from there, we finally get our first stud play. And I did feel the need to really touch on all those plays in the high tier. It's going to pick up pace a lot faster here, guys. But uh, felt the need to really dwell on those plays. 
And so from there, like Adam Hadwin is kind of just a clear cut, fun, easy play. I would say, I don't want to say easy play. Okay. Did have a miscut finally, but sometimes a player just needs to miss a cut. I think to mentally kind of reset. He had been someone that had been on a nice cut streak prior to that. And it just seemed like he was trending towards a miscut. Now, if you look at his recent form, we are seeing the 13th place finish last week and really no bad starts. Like he finished 73rd at this tournament, almost made the cut at the API uh, Genesis Invitational, you know, had a terrible weekend. And then he had a 10th. We see a seventh mixed in there. We see some top twenties. He is someone that when he has been on at this tournament has played well with a seventh last year, two missed cuts, and then a 12th. I will gladly play him as a play, I think. Okay, looking at the stats, there's nothing alarming stat fit wise. Okay, it's actually all encouraging. He is the seventh best specialist in the field, fifth best in recent form rank, 11th best staff in the field. He's actually coming in as the second best pick in the nine to five mile, which honestly does get me a little worried there. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it, it's been hidden the last two weeks since I made the little tweaks that I mentioned, but we'll see. We'll see if that holds up. But as it sits right now, I think he's someone that we're playing. And so now getting into the mid tier price point tier, uh, Justin uh, is a player that I just, I want to outright bet to be honest with you guys. Uh, he's been someone I've been tracking for the past three years, kind of just waiting for his breakout. Now, if we go back to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, it does seem like he was actually injured that tournament. Uh, other than that, he has been playing some extremely great, great golf this season. Okay. Uh, and lately fifth, 24th and sixth. like, it's going to be tough not to like him as a play. It is a cheap price point for him as well. And like, if we were to take out that withdrawal, we could see like, like his past five starts have been then 20th, 40th, 5th, 24th, and 6th. That'd be one of the best in the field, but he still has made four straight cuts in a row. And this is extremely interesting. Looking at his past five starts, and this isn't including this as an FYI because he withdrew, he's the best in strokes gain total while including the season long data. The effective scoring stat, which is the stat that I used to measure basically made cut plus upside. It's a bunch of combinations of stats like you would do for, I don't know, strokes gain T to green or something like that. It's like that. Ranks out eighth in the field. Good stuff there. Ninth best specialist in the field. Top 15 playing the nine to five model. Doesn't have any course history. That's his biggest knock. If he's going to continue to put the ball where he needs to, he's going to be a great play this week. And so the question that I'm going to have this week is like, do we afford to pay up for JT or do we go more of a fair and balanced approach? And looking at the players in this price point range, it might be fair and balanced, which I know I say all the time, do not do that. Last week is a perfect example of why we don't do that, except for John Rahm withdrawing. But Sky Scheffler won. John Rahm sure looked like he was on his way to a great week. Max Homa played well. And so let's just say if you didn't end up on Rahm, you could have easily ended up on JT, which was a make cut, Max Homa or Scotty. There's also Sander, Cantlay, Ifino, decent GPP upside play. And then with over half of the value plays making the cut, we can see why that is an approach that we should be favoring more times than not. This week, it does seem like the fair and balance, and I <laughs> I hate doing this, but it does seem like that's going to be the approach because we're going to play like Wyndham Clark. And Wyndham Clark, if we look at his course history, he's went miscut 60th and 37th. So getting worse in his starts, we don't like to see that. Key stat-wise, though, ranks out top five or better in four of the key stats that we're looking at in the field. He's just not a golfer that makes that many mistakes because he peppers greens, okay? He has made a ton of cuts in a row, a ton of cuts in a row, and he has some upside finishes mixed in there. And so it's no shock, like it was shocking at first. Uh, now looking through it, it's no shock that he's fifth in recent form rank, the 20th best stat rank play, the fifth best specialist. He's the third best pick in the 95 mile. Once again, my model really does put an emphasis on golfers making the cut and focus on stats that are made cut stats. And so Wyndham Clark, someone that's made 10 straight cuts in a row, you can see why it's echoing that. And it does favor golfers that have some course experience. 
So three starts, two make cuts. You can also see why it's favoring that. But to me, at this price point, given the consistency that we have from Wyndham Clark, it's going to be a tough player not to play. And so I would say we're probably not paying up for JT and going to more fair and balanced approach. And I bring that up because we still have two other really strong plays in this pricing tier. We got Brendan Wu. Wu's been playing some great golf. We have seen you know, a little bit of inconsistent starts in there. The 75th to open up the American Express. Besides that, 68th, 64th. Awesome, right? You know, miscut the Sony Open. That's that's whatever. Um, you know, first start in the new year after a long break. Have been playing really well prior to that. Okay. Genesis Invitational. You know, bad, bad round. But since then, 14th, 19th. Okay. We have seen the upside finishes. Second place. Okay. He is someone that definitely has me intrigued as a play. He finished 33rd at this event last year as well. 12th best specialist in the field. Top 20 in recent form rank. Not the best stat rank. That's the biggest worry. 40th in the field. But he is really ranking out as a top 10 play as well. He's someone I think we're going to be playing. And then lastly, we could easily play Ben Griffin. And the only issue that I have with Ben Griffin, it's like, has been my issue with not playing him the last few weeks. It's like, at what point is this going to drop off? Like, this is honestly a little bit shocking to me that he's been playing this well. But when you look at the field that we have, I am perfectly fine going with someone like Ben Griffin. He has one bad start. And that was the AT&T Pebble Beach Prime, a tournament in which I am okay just writing off as a one-off week. It's a high variance tournament. And last or this last season with AT&T Pebble Beach Prime, it was definitely a high variance tournament with the weather the way it was. If we write that off, he has one miscut and that was at the Fortnite Championship. Other than that, we're seeing top 25, third, 16th, 12th, top 30, 32nd, 21st, 14th, T35 at the Players' Championship. If he plays that well again this week, that's probably going to be a top 20 finish. It's super tough not to like him. He's the fourth best specialist in the field. Seventh best in recent form rank. 14th best at fit. Another top 10 play in the 9-5 to five mile. I wish he had course history, but we can see kind of why maybe going more of the fair and balanced approach is going to be the way to go because, yes, these guys are risky. Don't get me wrong. They are very risky because we haven't seen that much of them. But at the same time, I don't know. I kind of like doing it. Like they're they're popping up staff it wise. And now we drop into that low tier price point tier. All right. We saw Victor Perez popping up there. I think he's going to be a good sneaky play, kind of like Ryan Fox has been. Perez, if we're just using those DP tour starts, has been playing some really solid golf. He'd be the well, he is the second best staff in the field, but that is using DP tour starts. I want to make that very clear. If we look back on his recent form, he has one missed cut over his past eight starts. Obviously, has a victory mixed in there. He's been playing much better recently as well. These starts matter. Like Ming Wu Lee kind of, I think, really showed us that, is that these starts matter for these guys. He wants to play well. And so he'd be someone that I think we can pay down from. I think he's going to be a little bit lower owned than he should be this week. Sure, might not be the most confident roster in him, just given the fact that we haven't seen him on the PGA Tour thus far, but he does look like a strong price point play. Now, Jaeger, I find a very interesting play as well. We look at his course history, miscut, miscut, 49th. He has been playing much better recently though. Okay. He's made three straight cuts in a row. He's another one of those guys where had really one bad round at the Waste Managers Phoenix Open, then had a 69th the second round. And that's really it. Like, sure, whatever. I don't, when a guy plays well like this and misses the cut, like shoots under par, like I don't really care. He just didn't play well enough. So two missed cuts and really one bad round, right? Like <laughs> that's okay. We would take that. So he is looking like a guy that should be a made cut, has one of the higher likely it's to make the cut, especially in this price point range. He's the top 20 pick in the nine to five mile. Like we are getting some really kind of fun plays is what I would say. Like Jaeger, Perez, like it's, it's a fun tournament. Okay. Because there's a lots of like up and coming golfers that we're going to be playing now, Jonathan Vegas. <laughs> what did we do with him? 78 in round one. Terrible, right? That's kind of the nature of rostering him though. He is someone that 
he's going to make bogeys. But if he doesn't, if he has a day or a week in which he's having some nice par saves, not making stupid decisions with the putter, it wouldn't be shocking to see him give top 15 top 10 upside. Okay. Course history wise, 27th, 48th. You know, if it wasn't for that miscut last week, he'd be ranking out much better than he is. Okay. Cause he's a top 20 specialist, top 20 in course history rank, top 20 staff fit, recent form 41st. Okay. So that's the biggest word. It just wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week. So now we're just going to kind of rapid fire like Nate Lashley, three straight make cuts in a row, uh, finished 27th at this tournament last year. I'm fine with him. Actually, I'd be fine with here as well. Uh, we look at his recent form and Ben, ben Hindermiss. I don't know if we want to play him. It, he does feel a little bit too priced up. I will say Joel Damon, this does seem like a, a soft price point for him. He's a guy that ranks out top 30 in the nine to five model, uh, made two straight cuts at this tournament, been off for sure recently, but prior to that had been playing some really strong golf. So I just wouldn't be surprising to see him be on the upward trend. Robbie Shelton had been a guy that we were rostering um, and rostered last week as well as a value play uh, 72, 78. So did he just have one bad round? I would like to think so because prior to that, having him playing some really good golf, wouldn't be shocking to see him make the cut. These are all players that rank out decently well. I find this play super interesting because remember three weeks ago when I was like, there's no way Tyler Duncan should be min-priced. And since then, he finished 33rd that week, third and 54th. Like I didn't think he had a chance to make the cut last week and he did. Uh, so now he's coming in three straight make cuts in a row. Uh, like Not great. 51st in stat rank, 56th in recent form rank. But he does have two straight make cuts at this tournament, 25th and 39th, and then two missed cuts prior to that. It's coming in as a top 25 play, though, and that's due to those recent finishes. Uh, it's it's definitely interesting. I don't know if I really want to be on him, but it's kind of crazy how fast that can change for a player is really what I wanted to point out. Sam Ryder, I think, is a GPP only play, but probably not someone that we're playing. Uh, three straight make miss cuts at this tournament, three straight miss cuts and a 68th place finish prior to that. So really not someone I think we want to target. Some people are probably going to talk themselves into David Lingmurth and I kind of get it. GPP wise, it makes sense. Uh, sixth, 10th. If we go back further, we see it eighth and 10th. Like he has had GPP winning upside when he's been on. When he's been off, though, it's been absolutely terrible. Okay, so he is someone that's very much risk reward based. If you wanted to play him, I, I guess I would say I wouldn't blame you. Uh, he kind of fits that mold of being a bad enough play to win a GPP, if that makes sense, at a low ownership. Eric Cole was really terrible in round two at the API, okay, but has been pretty consistent as a golfer as of late, especially in 2023. Do you really blame him for kind of having a mental bad round in round two after losing a playoff, have a PGA Tour win? No. And then he finished 27th at the Players' Championship last week. He's actually a pretty strong play this week as well. Kramer Hickok, once again, does seem a little bit too cheap. He's made three straight cuts in a row now, um, 29th, 14th, and 44th. You know, had a little bit poor of a Sunday, but for the most part, played some really good golf. He's made three straight cuts at this tournament as well. Um, you know, casually just a good play at a soft price point. And then continuing on, guys, um, if you aren't following Adam Shank's wife on Twitter, she's pretty funny with the stupid stuff that she tweet out about him and uh, Adam. They have a good back and forth on there. Just a fun, a fun follow. And it's always fun to get little stories like that from golfers like Adam Shank's caliber. Why I enjoy following Ben Griffin on TikTok and whatnot. It's fun to see kind of those players and how they operate day to day. Uh, but looking at it, Adam Shank had been playing some really good golf, had been a strong kind of price point play for us for quite a while. Uh, missed to cut the Players' Championship. Not a terrible start. I mean, finished 88th, which in that field, okay. Um, actually, the best specialist in the field, which is highly shocking. So if there's something there with that, 
it wouldn't be shocking to see him make the cut. Now, looking at his course history, it does seem to be a little skewed there. So miscut, 18th, miscut, 59th. So it's just interesting in that sense. And I know I've been, I was talking a lot about how the value plays have been doing extremely well this season, the sub 6K plays. I don't know if we can trust those <laughs> this week, okay? Like Russell Knox has great course history here, making four straight cuts in a row. Pat and Kazire as well, three straight cuts in a row. But do you really want to bank on guys that are coming in with really terrible recent form and just betting on their course history? No, we don't want to do that. Now, there are some value plays that would meet the mold of being a shoulder shrug play. And that'd be a golfer like Michael Kim, who's just so ugly. He's so hit or miss. But like if you're playing, I guess, David Lingworth, you might as well play Michael Kim trying to trace that upside it's tough in the value range this week and that's that's why i'm saying more of a fair and balanced approach i could see people talking themselves into harry higgs which i wouldn't say is a, is a bad idea i mean the recent form has been pretty solid he ranks out 31st in the field in recent form rank did have a 39th place finish at this tournament last year the worries with him is that he's the 55th best staff in the field which considering the price point not terrible uh but specialist wise the 88th in the field so not the best there but value wise not terrible. Ranks out 64th in the field in the 9 to 5 model. Now, Dylan Wu is like the only good value price point play that we're getting here. He missed the cut at this tournament last year, but Stafford wise, top 10 in the field. Okay. And that's because, well, he's had some really good starts this season, surprisingly. And he's another one of those guys where you take out one bad round, would be in extremely good recent form. And that's kind of the theme is that a lot of these golfers just aren't consistent enough players just yet. But he's made four straight cuts in a row now with a top 10 finish at the Honda Classic, kind of a similar grinded out tournaments. And you would say the Players' Championship as well. Really, his bad start was at the Puerto Rico Open, which should have been his best start in a lower caliber field event. That's kind of why I don't like to grade tournaments too much because sometimes we miss out on good plays. And then from there, I would say like Zach Johnson, probably the best value play that we're getting. If we are doing a fair and balanced build and we need to dip down to the value tier, I think it would be Zach Johnson. Looking at the course history, miscut at this tournament last year, Zach Johnson was terrible last year. We know that. Prior to that, 29th, 24th, 16th, he's been playing some great golf. Five straight make cuts in a row now. He actually ranks out top 20 in course history, top 40 in staff fit and recent form rank. Overall ranking out as a top 25 play this week. Once again, that's because of the good course history and a lot of good starts recently. He is someone I'd be fine playing. Luke Donald, four straight make cuts at this tournament. I'd be fine playing him. He's made two out of his last three cuts on the PGA Tour. Not terrible as well. Not going to butcher his name, um, but we have five straight make cuts in a row here. And so at this price tag, if we want to take a stab on, on that, I'm perfectly fine with it. 11th place finish at the Puerto Rico Open. He's kind of casually been playing some, some good golf. Uh, Really, in, in 2023, one bad round at the Sony Open there. And then since then, been playing some really strong golf. So I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't mind chasing that. And then let's pull up John here because I do find it kind of interesting. Um, struggling on the Corn Ferry Tour, apparently. But also, 35th place finish at uh, Bermuda Championship. We do see some good starts mixed in there on the Corn Ferry Tour. And then a 7th place finish at the Puerto Rico Open. So if you want to chase that, I guess I'd be... I'd be fine with it. Like how many players are we going to get this low that has a seventh and a 35th place finish? And actually, if we look at his other start in the PGA tour, a top 40 finish, right? Like if you want to play that, I'm fine with it. Bryce Garnett has two out of three make cuts at this tournament has made two straight cuts in a row. Now I don't want to target him. He's been playing terrible this season, but I could see someone talking themselves into it. So it's not horrible. Is Wesley Bryan coming into some good golf? I don't know. <laughs> like 69, 74, obviously a bad round there. I was on the Corn Ferry Tour. Don't like that. AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. One bad round there. Uh, American Express. Two really terrible rounds. Premier Championship. One terrible round. You know, if you're playing him, you're trying to get a lucky made cut. 
he has made two straight cuts at this tournament. That's really why I'm pulling him up. Another kind of one of those interesting Corn Ferry Tour kind of players. Three straight May cuts on the PGA Tour, but we can mix in a missed cut at, on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, not someone we're, we're playing, but he did have a top 10 finish recently. The only low place player that I think think and he doesn't rank out well would be trevor here simply due to the fact that he's made five straight cuts in a row and with that has about a 50 percent chance to make the cut not great and in this scenario where i literally only have 6.2 left over that's a situation in which i'd be fine playing a golfer like him so guys it's gonna be another week in which i give the highest price player on the board the core play tag but to me like justin thomas really is kind of the uh the best play in the field we can see just across the board third best specialist second best in course history uh with a third and 13th place finish recent form wise you know not great that 60th place finish does worry me but it's tough to imagine him putting worse and so i kind of expect him to actually have a better night putting and kind of if we look at it like he has been hit or miss and so i don't think that top 10 up side is going to go away i think that's going to be there for us um six best staff hit top playing the nine to five mile third best specials like i i think we can find ways to pay up for him and we saw zach johnson as a play like i'd be fine paying up or playing zach johnson and jt together and this is kind of the ugly part about this week is that a player like adam Abbott is really popping up as a strong kind of price point play and that's going to be due to the upside that he has at this tournament seventh miscut miscut and 12th so two top 12 finishes and two miscuts want a little bit more safety with him as a play but we are seeing that he also does have some you know upside in there this season as well 13th 10th 7th 18th like we'll take that stuff and really across the board uh seventh best specialist fifth best recent form 11th best staff fit coming in as a really strong price point play i think i'm fine with him as a play and then wyndham clark as well like typically speaking i don't like to target golfers coming in off of a miscut as a core play uh with either recent form or course history and i i hate the fact that his form here has been descending it's been getting worse in each start well he finally missed the cut so hopefully he's good to go uh but we can see just been an extremely good recent form and i guess the issue there would be while he's due for a miscut i guess you could say that but i tend to just continue to roster golfers that are making cuts and so for me he gives me a nice safety to make the cut and then i do really want to make justin uh, a core play but i worry that based off of the monday morning hype that he could be chalk and i don't know if we need to play chalk in this price point range uh, just given the fact that this range is kind of loaded with similar plays. But if he isn't too chalky, I think he's going to make for a great price point play. Uh, you know, besides the withdrawal, been playing great golf this season. And he seems like he's finally coming into that form that he was in on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and if that's true, I could see him winning this week. And I, I just don't want to miss out on that. A little bit of FOMO there. And so you guys did see this build that I was making throughout the video. It, it does get a little bit rough in there. Okay. Do we want to play Ben Griffin and all these guys together like Brennan Wu? That's for you guys to decide. It's risky here. I guess some pivots that we could make would be maybe to go off of Wu or Griffin. Yeah, really any of these guys if you don't like them. Let's go off of Wu. <laughs> and then we'll put Zach Johnson in there. I just think kind of price point wise, he does make sense. And then from there, we have 7.9 left over. Could go Victor Perez, Jaeger. I'm really fine with any of these guys. We'll go Victor Perez for now. So another kind of just different lineup approach that we can make there. All right, but that's all for this video. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, you know what to do. Give a like and subscribe. That does help me continue to pump out more content for you guys. Let's continue this hot stretch that we're on. Actually got very lucky to uh, cash last week. Shout out to Terrell Haddon and Victor Hovland for finishing second and third there. Uh, Save my week in cash. Uh, but yeah, kind of on a, a little bit of a hot streak really this whole season. Uh, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed that run. Let's continue that this week. Uh, let's have a good slate. And as always, let's keep cashing.